everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire Jahananan. Ghost Casualty CDG! Oh! Topping out your mics here, Gary. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. Uh, happy fill in the blank day of the week to you i really thought that that was just the intro that your initial Ooh, i thought that was gonna be it that you weren't gonna give your full full title you want me to run it back and not give the full title i could do the whole thing (laughs) over you're good i i am the professional media and movie mastermind the fun house drew munhausen and welcome to episode 16 wow fresh out the podcast where we will be talking Dune, which I'm pretty sure Dune has come up in some capacity pretty much every episode <laughs> leading up to this point, whether it's just like, yeah, I was I was watching, you know, I was reading the book or the tabletop RPG and we're looking forward to that coming out or the movie or whatever. I feel like it's, it has come up at least for a second in almost every episode. And now the movie's here, but um, we're going to get to that in a, in a few in a few minutes, I think, because our plan is uh, for you, the listener, to know what to expect. We're going to do a little reversal and do our main discussion in the latter half of the show. So we'll go through some of our, our fresh out the podcast takes, some of the things we've been watching, enjoying here recently. And then we will talk Dune at the end, give initial impressions, and then lead into a spoiler discussion. For a second. And so if you have not watched and you don't want to listen to the spoilers, maybe at that point you'll want to pause it pause the show go watch the movie because you can watch it at home if you want uh and then come back and listen to what we thought about all the spoilers in the movie um you can do that alternatively uh you're gonna have to have hbo max to watch dune and it is about a two and a half hour film so you could watch a ton of episodes of young justice instead (laughs) have you been watching young justice i've been watching I've been watching Young Justice. I think I kind of made fun of Jahan last week for being a Young Justice head, and I feel like I've had I have had multiple people tell me like, "Dude, like Young Justice is actually yeah really good." I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I hadn't watched it. I didn't know what to expect. There are character arcs. There's character growth. They have episodes that will, like, focus on two characters and what they're up to. One character will be gone on a mission, uh, so someone else will have to step up and take leadership. Uh, It's a good show. It's not like Teen Titans. It's good. It's very good. It's very, very good, and I'm only in the first season, and I want to watch more all the time. 20-minute animated episodes? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right around 20, 30. And I think they're like 22 episode seasons. They're long seasons. They're pretty long seasons, yeah. And this is, uh, they just released the fourth season, Phantoms. Uh, and I'm I'm caught up. I, they're releasing uh, an episode every week. I I think they've only done three this season so far. I've watched all of them. Uh, no spoilers. Uh, but it is pretty, it's pretty interesting what they're doing. Uh, and it's interesting how they choose to t- uh, tackle social issues. But by the season finale, I should be caught up with you, and then we can talk spoilers. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. No, I love Young Justice. I'm glad you like it. 
you know, or you could watch Dune, you know, whatever. But either way, HBO Max, they have things for you to watch right now. HBO Max be, be hitting it right now. They really do. I believe I my vote was for HBO Max as my favorite of the streaming services when we had that conversation. So I'm I'm a I'm an HBO Max fan. Say you're not. It's, I mean, it, it definitely is good, and their DC combo is potent. Without a doubt, they're the best streaming service of 2021. Um, I don't know if they're mm-hmm. the best streaming service, but they did it this year. This True. yeah, they've been crushed. I mean, Mortal Kombat that was huge, man. That was such a good at home movie release. It's going to be hard to have those theatrical releases taken away next year after having just a really nice year of that in twenty twenty one. But um, I think as we've seen, theatrical exclusivity does equal more money for those studios. So yeah. you know they got to do go what's best the for them. Is. You could always go to Peacock and release it like the Michael Myers Halloween movie did. That's true, which, I mean, I don't know what it says about Peacock that Halloween Kills made $50 million at the box office last weekend. I I, I would, I, as much as I like I the Halloween no franchise, Peacock. As, as much as I like that franchise, I don't think that it's the clout of the franchise that earned it that money, I, but I think it says more about Peacock than it does about how good Halloween Kills is. So I actually forgot that Peacock is free. Mm-hmm. And you can probably watch Halloween for free. I don't know if you have to have the paid Peacock account I think or if you, you have just to have, have to watch commercials. I think you have to have Peacock Premium. Because it's great just... if you could literally watch it at home for free <laughs> and people still didn't even download Peacock for free. They'd rather go to a movie and pay $20 to have the theatrical experience of a horror than watch Peacock at home. Does Peacock I, have anything a... to do with NBC? Yes. Okay. It, <laughs> is, it is the... Which Universal is NBC. Universal owns NBC. And so it's their streaming service. So, yeah. Um, I am in... Or, excuse me, actually, I want to... I can't remember the order of things. Xfinity or Comcast, I think, actually owns Universal and NBC. I think it actually goes up to them. So I am an Xfinity subscriber. That's where I get my cable and internet. And so I have Peacock Premium for free because I subscribe to Xfinity. But yeah, such such is such is the way. Um, well, perfect. Well, we already talked young justice some and talked some hbo max um so you know on that note gary what else you've been watching other than dune because we'll get to that what else have you been watching so you know i've been watching only murders in the building and i've been watching wu-tang both of those of course are on hulu which was my pick at the time for favorite streaming service i think it still is uh hulu has good shows pretty much all the time uh, I just finished watching Everybody Hates Chris. I watched all four seasons of that on Hulu. What made you say I want to go watch Everybody Hates Chris? I meant to ask you that before. So I I love Terry Crews, and I like Chris Rock. And now that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is over, I was like, let's give this a shot. Let's watch it. Let's see if Terry Crews is any good in this. And I like in the first episode of Everybody Hates Chris, I was hooked. <laughs> I, I just I loved the format. I loved the you know the 
Chris Rock's narrating every single episode over the top of it. And so you almost forget that he's not a character of the show because he's there with you along for the ride. Uh, so yeah, I was just totally hooked. I didn't expect that it. it was a sleeper for me. Uh, I had no expectations going in. That's everybody hates Chris. It was it's great. I, I give that one a, a big strong eight out of ten. I should everyone should watch that. Uh, there there is some uh, there are some things that are insensitive in the series, but as is Chris Rock's comedy, right? So expect that. Um, Wu Tang and Only Murders in the Building. Uh, Only Murders in the Building just had their finale. It was very, very funny. I don't want to spoil anything too much yet. Uh, there's a huge twist, of course, because it's a murder mystery. Um, and then what good would it be if there wasn't a twist during the twist, right? So uh, it's chock full of twists at the end. There were two scenes that really stick out in my head as just being such good, clean comedy. Uh, in this era where... Uh, people are yelling and hollering about what Chappelle says, which is, you know, that's a different debate for a different day, right? But shock comics will always be a thing. But you're going back in, in this, in Only Murders in the Building, you're seeing Martin Short and Steve Martin in this last episode doing some very funny situational comedies, like the old one goes in the elevator gag as one comes out of the elevator gag. Uh, it's just, it's executed perfectly right place right time classic joke good clean comedy what a great series it's i i can't say enough about only murders in the building again another one that i thought going in uh i had low expectations i thought i might watch two or three episodes and never watch it again um episode four i was like chewing waiting where's episode five i want more what's next what's gonna happen um I, I think there's going to be another season. I saw they got renewed for another season. I thought the end of the end was a little cheesy, but I'll let other people watch the series and then we can talk spoilers. Let, let me ask you this, because I, I I do want to get to this one. I just haven't haven't dumped, jumped in yet. Now that it's done and it's bingeable, you know, I might, I might get into it. Um, I want to ask you this without spoiling it, and if you can't answer this, I understand with it being a murder mystery like that, with twists and turns, as you said, if they were to do a second season, would it be the same characters and people returning? Or would it have to be like an anthology type series where, you know, it's a different setting and maybe different actors or something? So I would think that they would use all of the the same main characters. If they okay. in season two, I would think they use all three of the main characters. Okay, interesting, interesting. I uh, yeah, I'll get I'll I'll get around to it for sure. Um, because I think that's one that my wife would watch with me too. Yeah, and the uh, everyone's good. Uh, ev the the, the, <laughs> the whole supporting cast is very forgettable, but the three main characters are very good. And Wu-Tang, of course, the I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, there was an episode by Mario Van Peebles as a guest director. And it was, like, super artsy. And for whatever reason, it was really cool compared to some of the other ones. From then, they have continued with, like, one or two pretty artsy scenes every single episode where I thought maybe it was just one guy's take and they would do away with it. They have not done away with it. It's... Very good. The show has been very, very good all of a sudden. This mid-season two, it hit a new stride. 
there's a whole, this entire episode, they're going to different record labels and talking about the deals that they can make, but they want creative control because Rizzo's already failed once as a record producer, as an artist, because the label basically took away all of his creative rights. So now they're going to labels, they're talking checks, and while it's happening, he's having a chess match in his mind with a rich version of him all dressed up and glammed out, and then a, a poor version of him just wearing the street clothes, and then there's the version of him that he is right now. And he goes, he stands up and moves the chess piece on one board and goes to the other one, and he's debating them out loud about whether he should sell out for the money or hold out for what's right for himself. And then he basically ends up telling everybody fuck you and makes a decision on his own and goes behind his manager's backs and decides what label is the best for them. And that's how the episode ended. So great as usual. I can't, I've been talking about this one for probably 16 weeks now. Uh, I love Wu-Tang and American Saga on Hulu. I, I love it. Absolutely. Can't say enough. Anybody watching anything besides me? I can't be the only one watching I, up all the TV. I have been watching Lock and Key Season 2. Uh, it just dropped, like, yesterday. Uh, I'm already pretty deep in it. I, I like, binge-watched it today. Um, I remember the first season being kind of a surprise hit or, so you know, like a surprise sensation at the time. And I know that you talked... Uh, a couple weeks ago about being excited for season two. I didn't even realize it was out already. I didn't either. Uh, I, I didn't see... I don't know. I haven't been watching Netflix lately. I've been watching other stuff um, with my Doctor Who marathoning on HBO Max. Uh, but, yeah, Lock and Key, uh, I was looking at it today because I was just watching, like, the first episode. I was planning on re-watching it, and it was, like, two seasons. And I was like, what? Uh, so I watched, like, the first six or seven already. Uh, good stuff. I like what they're doing. They're so they're doing everything you need to do in, uh, to make a series like this good. They're lower building, developing characters, introducing new interesting characters. Uh, good stuff. It's based on a comic. I don't know if you knew uh, the Lock and Key comics, and it uh, it's just cool. I love the I love the magic lore. I love the characters' lores. Um, it's very interesting. I still don't know what's going on. You know, like I'm still wondering, like what, what, what is this thing that they're trying to show you and explain? Like what's going on? Um, it's just very cool. What's the? It's like a Victorian fantasy, right? No, it takes place in modern day. Uh, it follows the Locke family. Uh, in the first episode, they they are uh, struck by tragedy. I'll say. Um, and they wind up moving to their father's ancestral home in, I think, Massachusetts. And it's this giant mansion. It's called the Key House. Um, and it's the Locke family. And yeah, it's a pun. They, <laughs> they acknowledge it. They do acknowledge it. Uh, and the premise is they start finding these, uh, they hear whispering. And they find these keys in the house that are talking to them. And each key has a different power. Uh, like there's one you can put in the back of your head and it frees you from your body and it conjures a door into your own mind. Uh, and they use that for like interesting stuff. And then there's yeah. one that lights stuff on fire. Like there's a bunch of so stuff. So we're playing modern age on every other Friday yeah. and we're doing a multiversal setting. Why aren't we like this? Why aren't we in a mansion where we find hidden keys and they <laughs> take us multiverses? This, well, that's so that's cool. not what happens in this one. Uh, 
they they haven't done any multiverse stuff yet. But I mean, you know, I definitely take an inspiration from this for your game. That's dope. That yeah. sounds pretty cool. <laughs> uh, no, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely a good. You could take it to a multiversal place pretty easily, but uh, yeah, I love the magic. I love the lore. Um, the characters, it's still, like, they're, like, teens. It's, like, a teen drama kind of thing. But uh, it gets pretty dark and pretty hairy. Uh, there's blood, guts, and death. So it's pretty cool. I don't know. It's one of the better things Netflix has done lately. And this is right on the right on the edge of The Witcher Season 2 as well. That's coming soon, too, and I'm excited for that. At some point, we get Umbrella Academy Season 3, but that's going to be in 2022. Mm, not soon enough, man. I'm so psyched for that show. That show's so good. That is my favorite Netflix show. I'm not I'm not a big... I'm not very happy with Netflix right now, but it's okay. Uh, uh, I don't know. These shows I'm a big fan of. Um, and that one in particular, Umbrella Academy, is very mm-hmm. good on the representation side. And you gotta you got to love them for that. How about you, Drew? You watching any tasty TV tunes? So, no uh, TV, but I did go to the theaters earlier this week, and I saw The Last Duel, which is directed by Ridley Scott, um, starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer, who actually we talked about last week because she's the female lead in Free Guy. Yeah. Uh, now, which we I thought that Ray Park and Liam Neeson were in the last duel, and that there was a double bladed oh, oh. red lightsaber. <laughs> right, they were on Nebu, and and Liam Neeson's got stabbed in the belly. Is that uh, not the last duel? Poor you and no. McGregor. That that um. Uh, Duel of the Fates is the name of the is, is the the score that plays during that. That's is right. That... That's right. That's not okay. So, this so these is, are different. This is not that. This okay. is not that is at it, all. Is it better? I mean, that's the best part of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> the part you're describing. It's the best part of Star Wars. All right, go on. Talk about your movie. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, The Last Duel, Ridley Scott, who, just worth noting, Ridley Scott, right now, 83 years old, and just still pumping out movies left and right. Uh, This is a COVID holdover, so this was supposed to come out last around last Christmas, and it got pushed um, to this year. But he's got this this month and then he has house of Gucci coming out in, um, in November, which is going to be another big one with lady Gaga and Adam driver and Jared Leto and a bunch of movie stars because you know, that's what he does. Um, yeah, just really Scott putting out bangers at 83 years old. Gotta, gotta love it. Gotta respect it. Um, anyway, the last duel, um, worth noting, uh, written by Nicole Hofsinner. Nicole Hofsinner is, is a female writer on it, but also written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And their first screenwriting credits together since winning an Oscar uh, for Goodwill Hunting, which they wrote together. So that's worth noting. Um, this movie is based on a true story, and it's based on a rape allegation. 
Oh, no. Yeah, so takes place in the 1300s. And this is basically the story is um, Jodie Comer plays uh, Marguerite, who's the wife of Matt Damon's character in the movie. And um, she has accused Adam Driver's character of rape. And as as such at the time, the way that these things were sorted, um, Matt Damon uh, challenges Adam Driver's character to a duel to the death uh, to determine who's innocent in the matter. And the thing with the movie... Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So the thing that makes the film really interesting is that the movie kind of plays out in three parts. And the first part is telling the story from the perspective of Matt Damon's character. Then the second part is all from the perspective of Adam Driver's character. And the third is the perspective of Jodie Comer's character. Um and which which is you know kind of led to be her her telling of the story is the movie really leads you to 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 know this is this is the true version of the events mm-hmm. that happened through her eyes um and so it's kind of interesting you know this is like a like a a very prominent film for the me too era but telling it in a period setting which is very fascinating but also just the way that this films directed and the way the different perspectives are shown and the subtle changes between them because you're seeing the same events happen multiple times but with enough changes in perspective to really uh you know to make it fresh and and interesting it's a two and a half hour movie similar similar to dune um which we which we'll talk about later but um I mean, this flew by for me. I I was just so entranced, and then of course the end. You know, it, you see the three perspectives, which then culminates in the in the duel itself at the end. And just again, worth noting, Ridley Scott, you know, directed Gladiator. He's done some killer visceral action scenes, and the duel at the end of this movie is just worth all the build up to it. Um, yeah, I just I uh, I went into it excited to see the movie in general and it just it just blew away my expectations there's some really difficult moments to watch in it too worth noting um especially if you are a victim of any kind of trauma or anything like that i guess be be wary i mean there's some some strong visuals and and things in this movie um trigger warning yeah yeah absolutely worth noting also ben affleck in the movie just stellar plays an absolute creep he's just having the time of his life hamming it up in this movie. I thought he was fantastic. Adam Driver is also stellar. Um, Jodie Comer's fantastic in it. And Matt Damon's good. Matt Damon's just kind of doing Matt Damon's thing, which is kind of interesting when it's a period piece like this. (laughs) Um, But he's fine. He's fine. But overall, um, yeah, I just... I just was blown away. I think also worth noting, the movies that I had seen leading up to this were like... Halloween kills and Venom, let there be carnage and no time to die. And all these big franchise um, sequels and and so on. And so to see this, which was, you know, an original movie by Ridley Scott, it was just very refreshing to see. Remember last week when I, when I told you that I turned off fast and furious nine and I got up and walked away. I do. I, I do remember. I'd like to proudly report that that has happened twice. I I still I've turned it off and walked away again. I almost didn't make <laughs> it any further than I made it the first time. 
Which blows my mind because Fast and the Furious, regardless of how bad they can be, seems like the one you're just always willing to stick with it. I don't think that you have seen Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm, I I haven't seen a Fast and Furious movie since Tokyo Drift. Fast 9 is hard to watch. I watched it for 35 minutes and Vin Diesel had one line and he said, get in. <laughs> hey, he talks enough... more as Groot. Did you see enough of the movie to see like the flashbacks when they're younger? That's like, when I turned it off the second John... time. And they have like <laughs> different actors playing young John Cena and young Vin Diesel, and it's like actually <laughs> distracting fuck? from the movie. Like, yeah, not that I'm all yeah. in on de aging people, but it's distracting. Like, wait, is this supposed to be young Vin Diesel? It's What's so... happening here? If you're gonna use actors, you've really got to cast them well. So when young John Cena and uh, well, first young Vin Diesel had already been there, right? And he's wearing the fucking white wife beater, and he's got the yellow cross. Uh, the fucking silver cross chain already as like young 16 year old Vin Diesel and so I erupted into laughter and then like 30 minutes later it's revealed that John Cena is his brother now in the ninth movie and he walks up wearing a fucking white wife beater and a silver fucking cross <laughs> medallion and I burst out laughing it was like good thing they're wearing the Toretto Sons family uniform like what the fuck is happening here that movie is a real piece of shit. <laughs> Excellent. I, I haven't yeah. seen it. It's, lo- it's low tier Fast and Furious movies for sure, I think. It's like a, it's 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 low down there. But you but you liked Hobbs and Shaw, didn't you? No. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I was mad that because Hobbs and Shaw used a ton of CGI car chases. And CGI car chases look fake. They look like rubber cars that are breaking the laws of physics. If you're doing a car movie, you have to fucking do cars. You have to do some cool car stunts. You have to use practical effects because cars are your main characters. You can't make them all look cheesy and shitty. So uh, so if I were to rank the Fast and the Furious movies, I would go uh, the first one, the Tokyo Drift, then stabbing myself in the face, mm-hmm. and then a tie for fourth between all the rest of them. Yeah, you also haven't seen Too Fast, Too Furious then. No, I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious. That's why I put it beneath stabbing myself in the face. (laughs) But anyways, uh, so the last duel, no, that sounds very intense uh, for sure. The only... The only other thing I'll say about it, though, that stinks, and this is just, you know, this is just how movies are, is, you know, we've got... It came out the same weekend as Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills goes out to make, you know, $50 million or whatever opening weekend at the box office. And uh, The Last Duel, I don't think, did very well. I don't know if it even made $5 million. And it just goes to show where we're at in the theatrical landscape or just movies in general. Where <laughs> if you're not a big, you know, tentpole IP or sequel yeah. to a big franchise, this is... This is a movie that I, I found to be amazing. One of the best movies I've seen this it year so far. Really good. And like, and nobody gives a shit at all. Nobody's going out to see it. It's so unfortunate. Everybody's seeing Halloween Kills or you know now Dune, but like Halloween <laughs> Kills, which I found to be not a good movie, and wow. and yet you know making well, good money even while on Peacock. <laughs> well, it's like it's like uh, you've seen Idiocracy, right? Yeah, it's like it's like uh, the movie of the year, 
ass, and it's just an ass farting for half an hour, for three hours, and that's what people are moving towards. I don't think that'll really happen, but you know, there's friend of mine a slack jaw demographic that has money. Uh, <laughs> friend of mine saw Dune in theaters and texted me when it was over and asked me if there was a scene after the credits. And it was at that moment that I realized oh, that Marvel has just ruined cinema, which, <laughs> and that comes from somebody who like, I love the Marvel movies. Like I'm a superhero fan. I'll go see every Marvel movie. But if you're like going to see any movie now and wondering if there's a scene after the credits, like Marvel has just ruined us. They've ruined <laughs> us. Well, so what I, what I feel, uh, I feel like that comes from like, being able to, it's like the same thing, being able to separate fiction and reality, right? You need to know, you're watching a Marvel movie, not a regular movie. Your expectations need to be different. Right. Marvel I... pushes the pleasure center of your brain until you ejaculate. Other movies make you think and like take you on journeys. You know what I yes. mean? Uh, I like uh, those things, thinking and going on journeys. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan, yeah. But, pe- but people, Drew, are different. <laughs> I have a mixed response on the on the post credits scene, right? Because Dune is it is going to be part of a trilogy. Yeah. And and I think it's just a part one and part two. I think it's just two. Okay, well it's definitely, it, yeah. it is multi part, right? And mm-hmm. and it's I don't think it's totally wild to to think that maybe there's an after credit scene in that one. Um, oh, yeah, fair. And Marvel didn't invent the after credits scene, but boy did they they took it. And right. they they slam dunked it in between their legs, and they did a touchdown dance with it. They didn't invent it, but they made everyone expect them. That's I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there had been a post credit scene of a, a fucking worm going through the sand. I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> I would have liked that actually. I, I yeah, mean, I, I mean, guess that's fair. That's fair. It's, uh, so I I hate to defend your anonymous friend, but I think it's fair to ask if there's a post credit scene in Dune. I made fun of people a lot just now, and I was really mean. But I did not turn off the movie when it was over, and I let the credits run just in case. So that's out of respect for the movie. Yeah, right. You, those people worked hard on that movie. God damn it! I'm going to look at every single thing. Jahan is actually a really Who's big the best in- boy. Jahan's big into gaffers, and so he always waits to sit around to see the gaffer list of every movie. Yeah. Yeah, rule, what is it, rule 52? You can look anything up on the internet, man. Mm-hmm. Jahan's a <laughs> gaffing boy. <laughs> the only other thing that I've been watching, uh, or that I watched, was uh, Dune, but, the, but not the current one. Not the one that just released, but Dune, the 1984 David Lynch film. Um, which I watched, I had purchased a, you know, the special edition 4k that came out a a few weeks ago. Um, but I'll talk about that more when we talk Dune because it kind of leads into that. So I'll hold it for that. Um, but otherwise I think that's it for what we've been watching. It's just what we've been playing. I think is the, is what we've got, right? Y'all got some games you've been playing. Yeah. Uh, do I take it? Go ahead, Go man. Right, yeah. I'll take it. Uh, so my, mine's not going to be too, too long. I haven't played this game, but I am a huge fan. Uh, so Red Hook uh, is, makes Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon is a commercially successful video game that started on Kickstarter. 
Uh, and it's kind of what put me on to Kickstarter. I was like, wow, this came out of there. You never know, right? So, like, I keep an... I started... That's where my addiction started. Um, first thing I ever backed was Nemesis. But this is where it keyed me in that it could be good. Darkest Dungeon 2. So, they've said funny stuff. Uh, so, the first one, right, you have... I'm looking like, up what it looks like. Because I've heard of it. I've never played it. Bro, but I, I just need you to might see like it. what it looks like. It is punishing. So, Darkest Dungeon, right? You have a party of four. You kind of manage, like, a small town kind of thing. Uh, you can upgrade buildings and stuff to give your guys better stuff. And you manage a party of up to four, but you can have, like, 16 people on your roster that you can rotate in and out. Uh, and it has very unique combat, right? Uh, you're in a straight line, and whoever's closest, uh, like, can only do certain, like, moves. Whoever's in the back can only do certain moves. So your position in the line matters, uh, and they also, uh, how bright your torch is, is another thing you have to manage. Uh, and you're going through an ancestral home of this guy that, like, opened up a portal to hell. Very Cthulhu style. Uh, so it's eldritch horror, and then just, like, evil people as well. Uh, and you're fighting these horrific monsters. All the bosses have their own completely unique, uh play style essentially they all they all behave completely differently if you're gonna guess how they're gonna act you're gonna be wrong uh like one of them like he'll put one of your party members in a pot and cook them for a turn before spitting them back out i didn't see that coming it was dope uh but this one they say is completely different they said if you make the same game just a little different what's the point of playing the original anymore uh so this one says one part oregon trail one part hell simulator uh, and so this one is a roguelike where you have a party of four that I guess you get a pick uh, and you can unlock more characters as you go. And you're traveling uh, across an apocalyptic wasteland. That's the result of the events of the first game. Uh, and you're trying to like nurture the last dying lantern light that is on your carriage. Uh, and when you die, you start over that kind of thing. They say it's about five hours, but it's a roguelike. So you're going to keep playing and keep playing, uh, doing it again and again. Uh, I'm just so excited. I'm a big fan. Uh, I even backed one of their... They're doing a board game, and I've spent like $500 on this board game. Uh, <laughs> you see True's face? He was like, what? Both of us, like, eyebrows up. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought a $500 Darkest Dungeon board game. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a fan. I'm very excited for this game. Uh, early access begins October 26th. I'm going to try and get in on that. Uh, I think I have to go through the Epic Game Store to do so, but you can too. <laughs> Tell them that you spent $500 on a fucking board game and see if that gets you access to the beta. <laughs> right? Uh, maybe maybe I can. I don't know. I can't wait to get that board game. I've been waiting. It got COVID delayed, so it is oh, what yeah. it is. But the, the board game industry and the tabletop industry uh, suffered Pretty much, yeah, anybody who has to print anything, the print industry suffered really bad during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but so Darkest Dungeon, if you haven't, at least tried it. I'd advise trying. I believe it was on Game Pass not that long ago. Uh, it still is free on Game Pass. Okay, so it's still on Game Pass. So if you haven't checked it out, it's it's a singularly unique RPG with turn-based combat. It is so unique. Uh, and for that reason alone, you should check it out. Just for the new mechanics. Uh, but I love it. Big fan. I didn't mean to gush so hard. But I really do like this franchise. Something that's not unique, thank God, was Back for Blood. It's a lot like its predecessor, uh, Left for Dead and Left for Dead 2, except they added in a couple of new fresh cards, switched up some of the zombies, gave you a few more options. 
Jahan and I were playing this game multiple days last week after we got so off our stream. We played late into the wee hours of like 2, 2.30, in the morning. And we actually ended up beating the, the, the campaign, the co-op campaign. We had a blast. The final level was great. It was climactic. It was different. It was crazy. So the whole time you're playing the game at the bottom of the screen, you can see how many subsections there are in each chapter. And the fourth one is just one subsection. And we were so like, we're like, oh, you, know you know that going into the game that like, that's probably a boss fight. And so it, it lived up to what I wanted it to be. I, it man. was a boss fight and it was a fun boss fight and the game was great. And I'm sure they'll add some DLC adventure stuff. And I'll buy that DLC adventure stuff. Oh, absolutely. I'll I'll probably put some more hours into Back for Blood. I don't know if I'm going to try to beat it on the higher difficulty. I don't know if I care that much to grind. Uh, I know that soon I have Battlefield coming out. Soon we have Halo coming out. So I think this might be it for Back for Blood for me. Uh, I'll be on the wagon for maybe a week or two more, just soaking up some multiplayer time. But uh, I enjoyed it. You know, good job. Good game, guys. You've I done it. it. If y'all had to estimate about how many hours it took you to beat the the campaign part of it, oh, how, what would you put? Oh, it? Honestly, I'm I'm not even kidding at all. If Jahan and I just if we sat down and played the campaign from beginning to end with four people who didn't quit and get offline, we could beat it in one sitting. I think. Okay. What a sitting though! I feel like that would be. Mm, I don't know, man. I feel like, hours. I, I, I good really think it was hours? at least twenty. 16 hours? Maybe. Uh, if you flat Not out succeed long. every time, you might be able to, yeah. Not that long is the answer. It's not okay. the longest. Uh, it does have a lot of replayability, I think. Uh, the higher, I do want to do another playthrough, actually, myself, uh, on the higher difficulty. Not the highest difficulty, because that sounds absurd. Uh, and I'm not a sadist. Uh, <laughs> or masochist? Whatever, you you probably are both. Whatever, don't tell me how to live my life. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the boss battle, he was right though, that was, I didn't see it coming, I didn't realize they were going to put that much, many unique uh, mechanics into it, I didn't realize it was going to be that different, I thought it was just going to be the big monsters we've been fighting, just a lot of them. You know yeah, I mean? a lot of it, a lot of that game did become repetitive where it was like go clear the nest and when you got to the nest then you walk down the line and you shoot some big fleshy orbs the tentacle dies and you go back and shoot the nest. And you do that in a bunch of different levels where you have yeah. to go take out three nests that lead to one nest and you shoot the you know you shoot the thing the thing blows up you shoot the thing the thing blows up. And so the second to last level was more of that. Follow the nest you shoot but the like thing the thing epic. blows up. And so it was like, man, I'm, you know, this mechanic is kind of tired. And then just in time for the mechanic being tired is the giant boss fight at the end. They used all new mechanics during that fight. They didn't use the same old shit. It was a bunch of fresh, cool stuff at the end. They went out with a bang. They did. It ended, it ended well, and that's very important. Uh, I will say a couple things real quick. Uh, I mean, like in Left 4 Dead uh, 1 and 2, every chapter, you're in the completely unique area. Each one, each level has its own unique zombie type in Left 4 Dead 1 and 2. Uh, and they all have like those big finales, which are really cool. I understand staring away from that a little bit, but I really feel I mean, they reused levels. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're going to the same areas over and over again. Which I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, 
uh, I feel like they really cracked out on the level design. Yeah, so you operate out of Fort Hope. And so a lot of the levels are you going into Fort Hope, and a lot of the beginnings of the next levels are you coming out of Fort Hope, yeah. down the same street that you just went up, or around the same corners you Without just cleared. much variation. Yes, it's and so what Jahan's right. They really did reuse a lot of their map sections. I, I was annoyed with that. It's like, come on, man! Like this is a full, this is a triple A title, full, full big release, uh, sixty dollar game. Uh, did I pay for it? No, I got it on Game Pass. But like, there, there aren't like level specific monsters. There aren't new environments with unique features. Like it's just, I mean, there was a little bit of that with the swamp, and that was about it. Yeah, there's a little bit of it, like... Here and the, there's uh, a little bit of it. Like, when you're towards the end, there's the infection camps where almost all the zombies are infected. When you're by the police stations, they all suddenly get armored. Uh, and they're all wearing the SWAT outfits. Yeah. So in multiplayer, you can get those upgrades. But in the game, they, they sort of just sneak them in along the way where they're supposed to be. And then they, But then they stay, and I don't know. Yes, and, and then they start to recycle something, them. But it's not the same. I, I agree. I, I, I got, I'm totally totally on board. Yeah. Uh, I think that they did a good job. I think this I is an eight. Too. I like the an game. Eight or a nine out of ten. I would say they. I would. Execution. I would say eight. I would say this is an yep. eight out of ten. Let's go. <laughs> which is about the same rating that I would give to Far Cry Six, which I have still been playing. Uh, I talked about it a little bit last week. Um, I've really put like almost fifty hours into this game already somehow. Um. You know, again, it's just, it's the first, I, I've, I've played a lot of the Far Cry games. This one has just been the first to really sink its hooks into me, um, probably since Far Cry 3. Um, I've just been having a good time with it. I've been achievement hunting and doing stuff. I've kind of put the, the campaign on hold while I'm just going around doing stuff over the map. But I wanted to bring this up because I had an interesting experience. As y'all know, like, I'll get on and play some multiplayer games with y'all every now and then, but I like single player experiences. Like I usually work out around my own schedule. I like playing, you know, story-based games and getting invested in that. Um, that being said, Far Cry 6 has at least one uh, co-op achievement, you know, for just for just capturing a base in co-op. Well, I'm, I'm the only one on my friends list that's been playing Far Cry 6. I don't have anybody to play with. And I wanted that co-op achievement. So for the first time ever, I did one of those that you can do through Xbox, a looking for post where you can say, I'm looking for, you know, <laughs> Interesting. somebody to help me get this achievement and co-op, whatever. I'm very familiar. I used to use them all the time with Grand Theft Auto online to find decent people to do heists with. You can't rely on random matchmaking. Mm-hmm. So I had, I put it out there. I was like, yeah, looking to get this achievement. Somebody jump in. Literally put the request up there. Within a minute or two, it was like, boom, somebody's interested. So I'm like, all right. And so I invite this guy to my game to help. And I don't know where this gentleman was from. He had an accent, and it's not an accent that I can place. But he was the nicest guy. Great. And he helped, he helped me take over a base. I got my achievement. And then he's like, hey, have you done this yet? Have you done this yet? And I'm like, no, no. And he and he helped. He's like, hey, let's go do it. And I'm like, cool. Played with the guy for like maybe an hour or two. Um, did things that, you know, sometimes something that would take me 20 minutes to do on my own. He and I are just busting through in three minutes, taking out places, whatever. And, uh, and I had a really good time playing with this random guy that, uh, you know, first time I'd ever talked to him. Maybe I'll never talk to him again. But he was super nice and he helped me un unlock some stuff. 
That and, is uh, great to hear. It was a good experience, and I know yeah. that it's probably not always the co-op experience with <laughs> no. randoms online, but mine was really positive. No, Jahan and I, in fact, I'm so yeah. glad you brought it up. We played with some guys yesterday in Back for Blood. Yeah. In fact, two groups in a row. One was so, so dumb. One had were... the dumbest guy ever talking. He was and he so painfully fucking dumb. He was just explaining everything he was doing out loud to himself i guess i don't know everything every beat of what he was doing walking over here i'm gonna pick up this ar all right i'm gonna grab these grenades if you guys just go ahead here you guys spread out over here last time i was the last one to survive and i survived 10 minutes by myself so y'all just go over there and i'm gonna go over here and i'm gonna pick this up i'll take care of this it's just non-stop <laughs> he was the first one to die uh he was when we were zombies just... he couldn't figure out how to do any of the zombie attacks when you play zombies, it shows you at the bottom right you. of your screen. Like, right trigger doesn't attack, right bumper doesn't attack. And he was standing we... in a corner saying, I keep pushing up on the D-pad, it's not doing anything. And for the record, that's how you, like, tag stuff. Like, hey, look over there. It's like... <laughs> and so he's just sitting there in a corner while we're trying to win, not doing anything. So we had such a dumb pug, and we, we were like... We, we thought to ourselves, let's play another one because it couldn't possibly it couldn't be, possibly any worse. be any worse. Oh boy, howdy. <laughs> uh, so this time we get matched made with like a, a two 15 year olds, right? Maybe 14 and 15. And one kid still, his voice is still on the high side, right? It hasn't dropped down yet. And this is the kid who is shit-talking us right out the gate. <laughs> these guys, who the hell are these guys? You guys suck. I bet these guys are just going to suck. I'm not even going to revive these guys because they suck. And Jahan just immediately mutes them. Yeah. And then the timer started, so I didn't have time to mute him. So for like a whole two minutes, I'm stuck listening to these guys. <laughs> And the younger kid starts freestyle rapping. And <laughs> so his voice is cracking. He's rapping real bad. I'm just dying inside. It was so horribly unpleasant. And then we lost. And so I know that they were screaming at us and raging on us. Uh, so Jahan just went ahead and reported him for verbal abuse anyway. <laughs> I did. We're not incredible. sure what they said. But damn. I'm I'm so glad to hear that Far Cry was pleasant because the, <laughs> the things going on in Back for Blood are bad. Oh man, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so I'm having a good experience there. Hopefully, uh, by the next time I check in, I'll maybe I'll have have beaten the game or Wait, something. You we'll said see. so far eight out of ten. Yeah, that's probably where I'm at with it. Like, I'm really enjoying it. It's a good review. I, eight out of ten is like good. The- I've always been a big fan of the Far Cry series. I, I I'll, I'll vouch for them. I've been hearing more and more about it lately. Uh, Jahan, you and I need to get Far Cry 5 because you kill a bunch of right-wing activists in uh, Midwest <laughs> America. Yeah, they tried to sue. Of course they did. <laughs> the alt-right tried to sue. I uh, forget so, who did. That's the one that you should play. That's a good way for you to get oh, I'm aware play. of what they do in that game, and I've been tempted because <laughs> fuck them people. Play. Yeah, if we see it for $10, let's snag it. Right? It might be. Who knows? Uh, the only other fight. thing I'll say about Far Cry 6 is I probably do myself a disservice while playing it, too, because I'm the type that... When I play, you know, I find, like, my my two or three guns that I really like using in the game, and yeah. I really just, just stick with those for the most part. They work for me. 
But there are so many in the game. You unlock so many legendary weapons and things you find in chests all over that are have different mods or different things. And you could, you can use, you know, there's like 50 plus just legendary weapons in addition to the regular ones that you get. And like, I don't switch it up and use all those and test them out. Like I'm good with the ones I have. So I'm sure there are like crazy ones that I could be using that I'm, even, that I'm not even aware of at this point. There, there's a lot of customization and things you can do with your weapons in that game and gear and loadouts and stuff like that. So it, yeah, anyway, I just, I'm enjoying it. Um, but that's, that brings that's, us to, uh, it brings us to Dune, Drew. Yeah, to, to our to our main event. Dune, so this, this Dune, Dune, Dune. So Dune, Dune, Dune is finally Dune, Dune, out. Dune, Dune, Dune is out in theaters and on HBO Max. Dune is directed by Denis Villeneuve and stars Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Javier was, Bardem. Was Josh Brolin the big scary fat guy? No. No, that was still a Did you not realize? Card. He was the gunnery guy. The, yeah, he the was... The uh, Yeah, Gurney. Hmm. Hmm. Didn't even the notice it was master. Josh Brolin. Yeah. He must have done a good at job. Point, he did point, do it. I, I like Josh Brolin. It's even in the trailer where Oscar Isaac says, Gurney, smile. And he goes, I am smiling. That was Josh Brolin. <laughs> um, Did you know that Josh Brolin yelled at Ben? Yes, yes, I did. Which Ben? <laughs> I didn't know that. Ben Mayer. He yelled at Ben. Yeah, he yelled at Ben on the set of W. Yeah, we have a friend who was who had a part, uh, a small role in W. Uh, I know Ben was in W. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, he became friends with Josh Brolin on the set. He's he's actually Ben's actually been on the show a few times. Yes, yes, yeah. he has. Oh, that's right. He is friend of the show. He's been on some streams that y'all yeah, have done. He's, he's played on our show, I think, twice, and we want to have him on again. He's a real nice dude. Yeah, right. I didn't. Well, that's I didn't about realize. Ben. Ben, quit <laughs> infiltrating our podcast. Yeah, I didn't realize that. About Dune. I didn't realize that Ben was in Dune. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Josh so, Brolin. I didn't realize Josh Brolin was in Dune. So Dune. Um, it, so. Worth noting, me and Gary and Jahan have not really talked to each other about it yet. I do know from a passing comment that Jahan liked it. All I know about Gary right now, I'm kind of apprehensive about where Gary's <laughs> going to go with this. Because the only feedback I've got from Gary about Dune at all was when he started watching it at home. And maybe 20 minutes into the, into it, he sends me and Jahan a message that says, you know, this shit's boring. And that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. So, uh, well, also, off, if you liked it, the three of, I don't think the three of us ever fully agree. Like, one right. of us is always a dissenter. So, if it's not me and it's not you, <laughs> <laughs> dissent is my middle name. Get, get ready, baby. Oh, so, okay. what did y'all think of Dune? Uh, it, shortly, I fucking loved it. Hmm. Shortly, I loved it. It was good. Uh, I loved, I mean, visually it was great, the acting was great, the story was great, uh, the world building, the lore, uh, all done so well. You know, they, I don't know, they even had a scene where they were explaining lore via this, like, encyclopedia hologram device, and, and like, that's pretty, you know, 
as far as uh, explaining lore goes, that's kind of silly, but like that, it worked. It worked. It was good. I same camp as you, Jahan. So I I loved it. Which I mean, it was gonna probably be hard for me not to. Um, I love the book, and I think half the time I was watching the movie just amazed at how faithful it was to the book, or and how many things just were work as. I imagine them not to be the guy that's constantly making the comparison of like the book. But I mean, (laughs) I thought it, it was great. I thought it looked beautiful. I thought the performances were great. I thought the sci-fi world was deep and yes, just, you know, inject it straight into my veins. You know, I went, I, I loved it. I, I was, I was fully on board from, from minute one. Yeah. Um, Gary, what did you think of Dune? The <laughs> world building was cool okay. as fuck. Like you guys said, it was awesome. The whole time, it felt like it was shot in another world, on another planet, by another species of people with other vehicles. Nothing felt human at all. They did a great job uh, really conveying that it was in a, in a different place in a different time. The ships were awesome. I loved like the the dragonfly ships that were like a cool version of an X-wing. The thoppers, uh, yeah, those things. Yeah, dude, those were dope. I loved like the Harkonnen stuff that it showed in the beginning when it was panning over Arrakis, like all their giant war ele- elephants, their war beasts, and their uh, their machines and stuff. Loved everything. House all in the of that. So dope. All of the world building, I am so on board. I thought it was all so cool. The acting, I thought, was good. It was good acting, and I think that this is a good movie. I thought that all of the action, the the, the fights, were surprisingly bad. Huh. With all of the sets being so beautiful, and all of the costumes, and all of the acting, and the performance, everything was so great. Uh, I don't even remember... Duncan Idaho's sword fights. I don't remember him having an epic death. I know that it happened in a hallway. Well, right? We're, let's, we're, let's, uh, I mean, we're going to get into spoilers. We, let's, let's make we're that We're tagged spoilers. Uh, so, like, it's, I, I know, I know that it happened. Uh, there was a big, uh, a big fight on the planets between Atreides and Harkonnen. Uh, where everyone was running around in, like, Power Rangers armor, flipping over each other, stabbing each other with <laughs> dual knives. That's... Where did the war elephants go? Where are the giant machines? That's that's a silly fight. Uh, and it didn't look cool. I just expected more out of the, the fight scenes. It's, it's 2021, oh. and this is a giant blockbuster. <laughs> and as beautiful as it was, the fight scenes were not great. If I know anything about what's going to happen... Uh, the next movie is going to have exactly what you're asking for right now. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I will watch a Dune 2. I I don't think that I needed to watch Dune in theaters. Huh. I'm, I was able to watch on HBO Max. I was able to pause it, come upstairs, do my stream yesterday, go to sleep, come back, turn it on today, rewind 20 minutes, make sure I knew where I was at, and then catch back up and watch it on my own time. And I enjoyed that very much. Oh, and see, I had a wonderful... So I saw it in theaters. I had a wonderful theatrical experience. I went... I had my 
my large soft drink. Mm-hmm. I I got a popcorn. Mm-hmm. I got some peanut M&Ms. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I went all out for this baby. You really and treated I, yourself. Oh, yeah. And I sat down in my seat. Oh, and I was so comfy. I start throwing back those peanut M&Ms as the trailers are going on. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm here. And mm-hmm. then that movie came up. Uh, I did. I saw it in IMAX, but in uh, in what some filmgoers refer to as LIMAX, where it's uh, you know some theaters will be like will claim it's IMAX, but it's not true IMAX, like the true dimension. <laughs> Which one did you go to? I was just at, at uh, the Regal of Grand Parkway, so their their version of IMAX they they branded as such, but it's but it's not the the one that used to be a Palladium. Yes. Yes. That's funny. That's where my younger brother saw it. Yes, so um, I believe the the closest thing to true IMAX we have in Houston for a theater is at the Marquee Theater. That's uh, that yeah. that is the real that's the real, real IMAX, deal. Yeah. Um, I don't anyway, think our museum actually shows any films, but they have an IMAX screen. They they do. That's a true. IMAX oh, I've been there. It's fire. As well. yeah. So, um, but anyway, I had a wonderful the- theatrical experience and i i definitely want to see it again i want to watch i'm probably going to watch it again on hbo max now that i've seen it but i uh i thought it was wonderful seeing it on the big screen i might go when it dies down when the crowds die down a bit uh i i watched it at home you know I'm there still... were so many cool like cinematography shots where you could have just paused the screen and made it your background on your on your phone or on You're your not computer. Wrong. It was beautiful. There was so many. It wasn't one. It wasn't five. It wasn't ten times. It was so many. There were so so many fucking cool shots in that movie. Uh, I just don't. I don't even know what to say. There were so many. It was so cool. Uh, so yeah, a, a few things. So about the fight scene. So I actually really liked. Uh... I do wish that there were more epic sword fights. You're not wrong. I do. I did notice that and feel like it was missing a little bit. It was the, cool. Uh, I liked the fight between Paul and the War I Master. I was just going to say that. that the, was a good well, one. The, the fight at the end where Paul fights for his. Oh, mom that was honor. a good fight. That was terrible. That I liked it. It was awful. Too. The last shot of it was just like. You couldn't even tell that he stabbed him. It was just like a shoulder-shoulder shot with like, you know, you inferred that he stabbed him in the back. Good, great. But it was a bad angle, and it was a bad shot, and it was not a great fight. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like it. Was, it was really storyline. It was build well. It was put in the right spot. It had great energy. I liked the fight. I just thought that as far as the, as far as the combat choreography went, I think this movie didn't have it for me. Well, so I thought it was interesting. Uh, because, like, I, while I was watching the fight, thought he was going to, uh, to lose as well. Like, I thought, I thought it wasn't going to go right. I thought it was going to go bad. Uh, but then you see that he's playing with them, and it's like, I don't know, they, they got me. They tricked me with, it was at least that good to trick me into thinking something bad was going to happen. Uh, I just, the ceremony, all of the, the culture in that fight was really cool. I loved it. Well, and, and one thing I'll say that kind of goes along with this, y'all you know, have mentioned before, um, you know, I think that in the marketing and everything, it wasn't super clear if people didn't know that this is a part one. Yeah. And when you watch the movie, the title card in the movie says Dune part one, I mean, making it extremely clear the goal 
uh, eventually to have more. So, so with that being said, I, I mean, this the movie really does capture. If if you've read the book, I mean, the this part one is pretty much right up to the halfway point of the book. I mean, it's right in line with that. So I do think, as far as the action goes, there's some action in this movie. I wouldn't say this movie's action-packed by any means. Um, I do think that, you know, as is typical with, like, a part two, that there would be... We'll probably see more action in whatever year that a sequel hopefully comes out. You, you know, no worth noting they haven't filmed part two you know they filmed part one and and they did not film them back to back they'll have to get everybody together again to <laughs> make the sequel so um the director Denis villeneuve has has claimed that you know he's confident that the wb will let him do uh a sequel but it it's not something that's already been filmed so that's worth noting i don't know when we'll see part two it'll be years <laughs> i guess Hopefully they saw just... like avatar I guess they were skeptical that Dune might just take a big old dump, and it didn't. I think we can safely say it didn't. Yeah, how is it? It looks doing? like it's on track to make a decent amount of money this weekend, considering it's also on HBO Max. It's been doing really well um, internationally too, Ooh. leading up to this. So I think that um, the everything there bodes well. Um, let's let's talk about um, my boy Timmy C. Timothy Chalamet. What y'all think of him as as Paul Atreides in the as the lead? I thought he did a great job. I thought uh, I don't know he he's a kid, but he's like you know very wise because of like his ability to see the truth and uh, uh, see uh, prophecy and that kind of thing. He has and he plays that well. He's like a, a heavy hearted old soul youth, you know, and it, he does a good job. Gary, you had a skeptical look. Uh, yeah, he was fine. I, I, he was fine. Yeah, he did pretty good. In fact, his character is going through a lot of shit. Right, he's yes. going through a whole lot of shit. Um, he, he, he's going through some brainwashing. He's going through being a noble's son. He's going through his father's death. He's going through his epic journey. And he's going through a lot of shit. And I think the actor conveys that really well. Um, uh, I think that he... Yeah, go ahead. He, he's fine. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all <laughs> I've got. He's fine. Let me say, let me say this. So... To go on a little tangent, the idea of, like, the teen idol, right? So, when we were back, like, we were 90s kids, right, growing up in the 90s, yes. and, like, remember when Titanic came out, and, like, <laughs> yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio was just the dreamboat of all the uh, females in existence? And then, uh, and later on, if, like, a few years later, and I think in the early 2000s, like, not necessarily always known for their acting, but just their looks like Orlando Bloom was kind of a thing for a while. Like, there's always these these guys that that break out as like kind of the the hot teen idol. And I don't know exactly what that is now, but let me let me say this: if I'm a 14 year old girl mm -hmm. in the year 2021, yeah, and I have Tom Holland, mm -hmm. and I have Timothy Chalamet, Timmy C, I'm Team Timothy Chalamet all day like right right 
I, I, you know what? True. I haven't thought about it, but I don't know. Yeah, I can't believe that y'all don't just like think of that perspective. I'm a often. huge, I'm a huge Spider-Man guy. So as a girl, I feel like I would still be well, not even as a girl, as someone attracted to to men. Yeah, I feel like uh, that would be factored in as well. So maybe, maybe because he's Spider-Man, I don't know. I don't know how it works. No, something about. So maybe I'm aging myself here, but can I still pick like Pitbull? Because <laughs> what the fuck? What? That's a that's a hot teen summer romance. <laughs> no, Pitbull, the pop star. No, no, you can't choose Pitbull. Okay, well no. then, I'll, then I'll go with Timothy Timmy C. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's an easy second. Um, yeah, but you said that thing about Tom Helen's butt the other day. What was that? You remember? Oh, yeah, I'd watch Tom Holland blow web out his butt. There you go. <laughs> That's the um, one. I, anyway, I was trying to think of, like, who is kind of, like, the, the, the kind of teen idol that would fit into that now. And, like, those were, like, the young kind of, you know... Hot. Don't worry, Drew. I'll bang hot boys real quick and see what comes <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> uh, um. Lil Wayne, Juvenile. Oh, that's a band called the Hot Boys. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, no, I thought uh, I thought Timothy Chalamet was really good. Actually, is this? I thought he has like that perfect kind of brooding look for a conflicted Paul who's kind of trying to figure out what's what's going on in this here yeah, Drew, uh, Paul, he's very hot planet. drew <laughs> yeah yeah well because he's on a desert planet so it's hot, it hot some water you gotta wear a special suit to retain your moisture so you can drink your own sweat and pee and stuff oh man what a, what a country yeah I, I want one of those suits just to get that flavor you know who else? Anybody else uh, from the cast stick out in particular? I think it's Man. worth noting a lot of the people that are heavy in the marketing, like Zendaya, barely any screen time in this in at lot. all. Um, which, having read the book, I kind of didn't expect her to be. But if you're a fan of her, don't don't expect her to have a lot. I of time was looking forward to more Zendaya, uh, but Dave Bautista, uh, yeah, Bautista was awesome. Or, we, I think we've talked in here before about being fans of Batista, but again, not too much screen time here. No, not in it very much. But I feel like his screen time was impactful. Yeah, that's fair. He's got good presence. Uh, so uh, Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he was badass. I thought he did a really good job. Uh, totally forgettable. I I thought he was awesome. Like I, I don't know. Was they get fine. you to like him. And then, you know, it goes bad. Uh, and then Duke uh, Leto. I uh, thought Oscar Isaac was fantastic. Dude, as, they, as the Duke. he was awesome. I uh, don't get it. I don't get <laughs> it. I don't, oh, man. I don't get it. I'll never get it. I'll never get it. Something I, about I, his presence, that beard. What is oh, yeah. Man. I don't get it. I don't know why you people like so him good. so much. He's, He's just so, so normal. fucking likable. He could have been anybody. Anybody could have been that fucking role. Oscar Isaac is just man. so fucking normal. <laughs> I think he looks very unique. If anything, if that's what you're, he just doesn't about. 
do anything. He's not great. He doesn't look great. He doesn't act great. He doesn't have a great presence. He's not great at anything. He's just a fucking guy. It's just like a regular fucking guy. I don't get the love for Oscar I, Isaacs. I, I've been, I've been hearing I different. I do have love for Felix Isaacs, who is the developer of Wild Sea, a <laughs> tabletop role-playing game. He's not related in any way whatsoever. Well, we never asked, so we don't know. But that's true. They uh, are both from Eng- they're both from England. <laughs> England. <laughs> Oscar Isaac fan, uh, I I liked him a lot. I but let me switch gears here. Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Um, he's a big chunky boy in this in this movie. Isn't I didn't he, know. Think of the Baron. Isn't he the uh, physics professor from Thor? Yes, he yeah, is. Okay. He's in the I Thor so. movies. That was a. I didn't know he was gonna float. That caught me off guard. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it was awesome and too. creepy, and I loved it, it. It was awesome and creepy. I I didn't know anything about that character. That character was evil. He was sinister. He was twisted. He was creepy. Uh, and even when he's dead, now he's coming back from a fucking pile of juicy, gooey mud. Uh, which is just exactly what you need to see in a horrible, vile fucking villain is more of them. Uh, what a great villain. Absolutely wonderful. No Loved one, it. Knowing what I know about Dune technology, there could be a lot of stuff going on with that vet. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I think I, the first... The first time you even see him, isn't he naked in, like, basically a... Um, like a steam room? He's like he's in the he's in the Coca-Cola cold zone at Six Flags. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Dune version of a, of a gym steam room or sauna but that's just open where people just see you. And... Yeah, he's gross and bad and good. I, I love that. What a great bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, also yeah. gave me a taste for how the Harkonnen might be different. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, they're not quite human. They're not only are they more brutal, and they have that kind of pale, gross white skin. They seem to be bulkier and more muscly and just larger. But then the dude tiptoes through the window through the tulips, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like these guys, they are, they are it. So. Uh, it's funny you say what you say said because I, I when I was doing research for like the TTRPG and running the game and stuff, I was reading like anything I could find, uh, and so I don't remember who it was, but they were they said um, that the cool thing about Dune is that humans through technology evolution through gene guidance and all that they become not just inhuman they become the aliens uh to us you know and that's it's true and what you said yeah harkonnen is not a fucking person that guy i don't know what that guy is that's crazy uh but no back to oscar Isaacs real quick so uh, man they they just make you he does nothing he does every fucking thing right he makes every right decision he's the good guy uh, just flat out, he does all the good stuff. He tries to save his men from that uh, catastrophe when the sandworm's coming, you know, puts himself in, at risk. Uh, he's a family man. I don't know. They make you like him so damn much. <laughs> and it just, it, man, it hurt, man. I wanted to see more of him. Ten years ago, that would have been Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Only because he fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a guy to die on screen, Sean Bean's your man. Mm-hmm. You want somebody to you want everybody to love the character, and then the character dies. Hire Sean Bean. But why would you do that when you can hire Oscar Isaacs? I think the other character who probably got more screen time that we haven't really talked about is Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica, which I've always been a big fan of Rebecca Ferguson from, um, you know, she's in the Mission Impossible movies now, and she's she's in a bunch of stuff. Um, She's somebody that I follow and I I really like Um, and I thought she was she was really good here. I she was so good. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what you think, Gary, as someone who, like, doesn't probably follow all these people as closely. Like, did you think she was memorable? So I actually had no idea who she is, who she was, nothing, going into the movie. And I even, at one point, was like, wait a second. Is that, is that his mom still? Is that still the same character, or is this a different character? Um, so... There were there were times when I got confused about who was who because I, I don't know I guess I guess it was not a memorable performance for me no no I don't think so I like her a lot I thought she was good in this but I almost feel like like was there something missing from it or, or something I don't I don't know I but I like her I like her I just don't know what it is about it that maybe it's just cuz this movie has so much going on and so many different characters that it's like it's easy for any one particular one to get buried with I the think punch. that's maybe exactly that's what, it is. what it is and since she maybe, yeah. since she shares that's a that's a tongue twister since she shares so much screen time with the main character, she is almost forced into a sidekick type of role, uh, where he really, uh, yes. Timmy C really, really shines, and he really stars. Uh, she doesn't, and I don't think that's any fault of her own. It's just he is the lead, and he is leading. I, I actually really enjoy their dynamic together. Uh, I enjoy she's the mother, uh, but he's still the heir, and eventually the duke, and you know, so he still has like, power over her, but, like, at the same time, she's teaching him the ways of the Bene Gesserit and the powers mm-hmm. of the voice, uh, and I thought all that they was... They do kind cool. of build... They build her up to be pretty powerful, they but do. then it's clear... But it's pretty clear through the movie that's like, oh, no, but Paul's way more powerful than than she is. He's he just kind of got to hone he it. He will yeah. be, yeah. that's right. He definitely... And, and I mean, she, that's kind of the whole point, you know? I mean, it is a messiah story. Kind of thing. And right. she definitely had some badass moments with, you know, from the the helicopter uh, commanding everybody to drop the knives and then getting them free. And her, uh, when they got encountered by the tribe at the end and they tried to attack her, they, they're going to take the moisture from you. Mm-hmm. And she whooped their ass and they were like, oh shit, you're a witching woman. Like, why didn't you say so? Uh, you know, she had some good moments for sure. Uh, she just didn't. She didn't steal the movie. She didn't steal the movie, but she. I, yes, I think she agreed. was great. I think she played her role to a T, and she did it very well. Uh, and I don't know. She she was great. I think you actually kind of hit the nail on the head for me, Gary. What what I was trying to vocalize earlier because I really like Rebecca Ferguson, and I think in my heart I wanted her to steal the movie. Like I like her, and I like that character, and I wanted her to, and she didn't. And so maybe that leaves me like a little bit disappointed. Not that she's bad in it by any means. She's she's good in it. 
if if you want to see a good uh, Rebecca Ferguson performance, a really good one, um, Doctor Sleep that came out a few years ago, the sequel to The Shining really? um, that stars Ian McGregor. She plays the villain Rose the Hat in Doctor Sleep. She's really good in it. Worth noting. Interesting. Um, but anyway, I'm trying to think. I also um, really like you know, Stilgar. Me too. Uh, and I thought Javier Bardet, he just has a very striking look, no matter what he's in. And he makes an appearance earlier in the movie. And um, I didn't know if, if this part one was going to get to him making more of an appearance later. And when he did, I don't know, I thought he's very good. He's just, he's, he's just great. Yeah, his character was very good. Hmm. I love the spitting in front of the Duke and then you know, the guards reacting. And then, then you realize it's actually a sign of, of respect. Um, but that was great. Uh, I'll return your, return your gift of moisture in kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed Jason Momoa's like uh, meeting with the people and learning their culture and that kind of thing. I enjoyed that whole story arc. I feel like I could have seen more of it. Yeah. That's, uh, Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa, his whole role was just... Uh, I mean, it's not unnecessary, right? Because moving forward, Duncan Idaho still matters. But it was so pointless. It was so small. It was so... He didn't ever do the thing. He was just... Uh, they were always constantly running away. He, at his chance to protect them, ran away again and closed the door and then died... Like he just didn't really do the thing, man. See, I the way I saw it, his escape uh, in the Thopter, uh, his desperate escape, and then him finding his Duke and Lady uh, in the desert, and like them coming together. I thought that was great. I was like, oh man, that's like that was a badass scene for me. He did go out killing a lot of soldiers that are supposed to be the like greatest the soldiers in the, the top greatest soldiers and he took out a lot of them by himself like 10 yeah like so. maybe more <laughs> and he, he did worked. i mean they would have gotten they would have ca- captured his charges had he not done that they literally stab a sword through him not it comes place. out his back. Yeah, and then he, he gets up behind them, and then he walks up on them, and before he swings at them, he does what all good swordsmen do, and screams to let them know that he's there, so that they <laughs> can all turn around and fucking stab the shit out of him again. What a great fight scene. Thanks for reminding me about that. <laughs> I, I fucking blocked awesome. out of my head. It wasn't. Got... Those were bad swords fighting scenes, and for him being the immortal fucking sword master, he sucked at whole ass. Well, he's not immortal, but, you know. I definitely was not as low on him as, as Gary, but I do kind of understand yeah, me too. The, where these criticisms come from in particular. Me too. I could have seen more sword fights. I could have seen better sword fights. Like, want to watch people jump out off of walls at each other and crazy stuff, but uh, I liked what I got. And when he got stabbed and, like, went down, I was like, oh, Maybe it wasn't that bad. And then when he gets up and it, you, they show you where he got stabbed, like, oh, no, that's really bad. And I don't know. It was I, I enjoyed his part. I also liked that at the end we did get a brief look at a worm rider. And I know that y'all have yes. been playing the the tabletop RPG for Dune where you can be a worm rider, I believe, in the in the you game. You can ride worms so, in the TTRPG, yeah. 
Yeah, so I just I liked that we did get to see a glimpse of that. I we haven't seen Worm Riders yet in the TTRPG. We're still on our native moon. We haven't left to gone to Arrakis yet. Uh, we're still making some political deals with different families and things like that. So seeing the worms now before we get to see them in game and this interpretation of them, which is just horrifying, right? We've seen sandworms and tremors and we've seen giant worms and beetles and we've seen uh, purple worms in D&D. We've just seen giant worms, right? It's nothing new and it's nothing fresh. Uh, a sarlacc pit is just a giant worm that doesn't move around. These giant worms were fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the just put a note. Dope. These are not just giant worms; they're colossal worms, yeah. and they are so fucking cool. Yeah, the the way that the sand would shift when they were coming up, like as people were running, and you'd see the sand shifting around them. I thought that visual was so cool. The sand just falling straight down into like an, uh, an endless pit of despair, and then you see <laughs> all the razor sharp teeth like unfurling around it. It, this thing's just eating tons, metric tons and tons of sand. Uh, absolutely terrifying creature. Great work. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I also, like, the the highlighter ships, the interstellar ships, I thought they kind of looked like the worms, and I thought that was kind of funny because they were big and, like, open in the middle. I don't know if that was on purpose, but I was like, that's funny. I watched the, you know, the 1984 version of Dune as we <laughs> talked about. And one thing worth noting is that that movie show is is an interpretation of the whole book. Yeah. Um, and that movie is like two hours and 15 minutes long about. So it's interesting because this this modern film is is two and a half hours to basically tell half the book. And then that older film is two hours and 15, which probably about. An hour and a half of that is the first half of the book, and then they just like cram the second half of the book into the last forty-five minutes of of that movie. But I think the thing that that actually surprised me, because um, I had not I had not seen it before, so this is my first time watching, and I I watched it the night before I went and saw uh, the new Dune, and yeah. I think I was surprised at how. I mean that movie it that movie's going on 40 yeah going on 40 years old so obviously you know it's aged a bit but some of the costumes and and set designs there are some things that were actually quite strikingly similar like the still suits and the and the way that those looked in in the old film were very similar to the new one and um you know, a lot, some, a lot of their character designs are very different. The Baron is much more, like, funny evil in that movie compared to Stellan Skarsgård, who, like, truly comes across as kind of off-putting and, and scary in, in the new one. Um, but I would say, I, I think my impression of the old film was that it was just, like, this colossal disaster that came out and and I don't know if that's the case. It was supposed to be like a huge franchise at the time. It was going to be the new Star Wars. Yeah. And it just didn't catch on at all. And so it was considered to be I think a huge maybe not huge but you know flop at the time I'm looking to see how much money it made. <laughs> it was made for 40 million and it made somewhere around 35 million at the box office. So that's not not a success um back then. But anyway, I don't know. I just uh I 
was scared to watch it. I didn't know what to expect, and I thought it was it was fun. I, I had fun watching. <laughs> uh, I've so. seen bits and pieces of that movie. Uh, what a piece of shit! It's a trip. But, it's a trip, man. You know, uh, maybe back in the day it was better. It doesn't sound like it was. Uh, I am wearing my Star Wars shirt though. To your point earlier, uh, I like to. I've always liked to muse that there's an alternate reality where Dune has nine movies and Star Wars flopped, you know? Uh, and I just think that that's a funny thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, a, I know and a Marvel you know, comic and all, all that I, I think stuff. with this version of Dune, there is a chance we could get two, you know, we're going to get two movies. We're going to get another one, I think. We could even get a series from this. Uh, maybe not all with these actors, maybe not all with this director, but with what they've done with this first one, I wouldn't be surprised if we live in a universe where there are seven Dune movies or nine Dune movies. That could be the universe we live in in 20 years. This movie was, it was good enough, I think. Yeah, I do too. Hope that, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that it's, it's successful, successful this weekend and hopefully it brings in new subscribers to HBO Max. Hopefully it makes it decent amount at the box office like i said it seems like it's doing well internationally so hopefully it'll be interesting to see within the next year like hopefully they start maybe there's some news about it moving forward with with part two and they can get it rolling and if they have so much of the production design done from the first movie hopefully that means that they can get it moving quicker for the second i mean i don't I don't know how long it would take but it's a shame they didn't they couldn't just film it all back to back and that we knew you know we got dune part one this year and we're getting dune part two next year um it does make it a little bit scary of like what if we don't get a part two because this one definitely left me wanting that part two oh and, i'd I mean, be so pissed it's very much a part one i mean it ends on a cliffhanger it does not have a definitive ending a lot of people complained about that but i felt like it was fine i thought it was i thought it stopped at a good point it did it stopped at a great point i'd for sure compare it to like like i'm a huge fan of uh of the lord of the rings films my favorites fellowship like i love the first one my favorites fellowship too yeah and and this to me had as far as you know the the plot plotting and and the uh, the setup and the way it ends, I don't know. It kind of gives me fellowship vibes in that sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I just was vibing the whole time. You know, I I dug it, and uh, I could I could understand somebody going into it who's maybe just not a sci-fi head and not understanding the lore and being like, eh, "This is boring." Like, I get it. Um, but I I still think overall this is. This, that is pretty great. I'm going to come in here and slap a big fat seven on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's a pretty generous score from, from Gary. So mm-hmm. I, mean, that... I think so. I think I, I and I was going to say a high six, but that's not a thing. So it's a seven. I'd give it a seven. Well, probably you're... like an eight or a nine. Eight or nine. Ten. I was going to say eight oh. or nine. Uh, may I'm leaning nine though. Honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm leaning nine or two, like a light nine. Like this, I don't know. This felt like the start of something truly amazing. I love the world building. I loved all, the entire cast. Um, like the issues that I had with it were so minor, you know. Uh, I I loved it. I really liked the uh, the guns that were shooting like those drill needles at people's shields. 
And Dune then, feels like, like ah. the movie of the year. It feels like the the summer blockbuster of the year, even though we're here in October. It it, it really does. It feels like the movie of the year. Uh, the yeah, big it, one, you know what I mean? This it is the feels year of epic epic scale maybe. when you're watching it, for sure. Like It just mm-hmm. feels like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was truly... I, I loved it. I loved it, uh, for, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I was thinking, like, with the characters and I wanted to see more of them and I want to see like, cause I know more about the houses and stuff cause of the game uh, and blah, blah, blah. I want to see more of that. I think it would have been great as like a game of Thrones style, you know, like a show just like dealing with all the inner house politics. I want to see that. I don't know if it necessarily has to follow the story or if it could just be the universe, but I want to see that too. You know, hopefully I get some of that fix with uh, Lord of the Rings though. Super psyched. So it sounds like uh, overall, we would say that uh, Dune is fresh out the podcast. Absolutely. Dune is is fresh out the box. Mm -hmm. It is fresh out the box podcast podcast box. (laughs) Absolutely fresh out the box cast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You can catch me and Jahan on twitch.tv backslash Jahanan on every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. And, of course, this podcast, Fresh Out the Podcast, comes out Sundays. It's every Sunday on Spotify and Apple Music and Podbean. We, uh, I, I have a Twitter, and I'm CasualtyCDG. Jahan is a rock fact, and Drew is at Drew Munhausen. And uh, feel free to uh, to tweet at us, um, hashtag hot boys, hashtag team Tom Holland or team uh, hashtag team Timmy C. You can you can you can tweet that at us. Maybe mainly we'll at Jahan. Poll. Tweet it at Jahan. Tweet it at me. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the tweets. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll do a Twitter poll. Uh, but yeah, so thank you so much everyone for watching. Uh, have a great time.